Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. You're listening to Denver Orbit, featuring voices. I'm going to give you an awkwardly long and uncomfortable list of reasons why you shouldn't shave outside. Stories. Now, he was very outspoken about the effects of, of war on himself. The music from Colorado's creative community. Listen at DenverOrbit.com or on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or most other podcast apps. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to the Real Nerds podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy. At Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Georges Genty, and you are listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2020, celebrating America's birthday with Denver Pop Culture Con. Uh, this year, it's going to be uh, the third, fourth, and fifth, unusual of July. Hmm. Uh, interesting choice. I think they did that, I think, the second year. Was uh, it on? Second year? or third year. They've done that uh, Independence Day weekend before. So. I, I don't remember. Yeah. Do you think they'll do a nerdtastic fireworks display? They said there's going to be a huge fireworks display. Ooh. So that'll be awesome. There may be, better be like comic book characters drawn in the sky in fireworks. Yes. Like in the, in the they cartoons. They better have Chris Evans show up. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, I, and I'm going to bring my copy of Not Another Teen Movie for him to sign. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be like, wow, you're the only one who's brought this up thus far. <laughs> there's no way. that movie's, I think that movie has a big enough cult following that... You've seen that gif where they have a clip of him like looking at himself. Um, you know, Not Another Teen Movie. Yeah. He's got a picture of himself on the wall, yeah. but someone replaced it with America's Ass. <laughs> oh, no, I haven't. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> that is America's Ass. Every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. This week, we saw scary stories to tell in the dark. Mm -hmm. uh, stay tuned until the end of the episode. We will uh, say, tell you if you should see it, spoil the movie after we play a trailer. Um, but before we get into the show, uh, I'm going to talk about something that we did. Not we. Uh, one person did this weekend. Um, I took my kid to... I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> Brad, you I was were... Genuinely in, I was genuinely interested in what you were doing. <laughs> um, you uh, did your 10th. 48-hour film festival. How'd it go? Uh, pretty good. Um, well, actually, last weekend was a screening. The weekend before that, which I missed, that was the actual filming weekend. And uh, yeah, um, it, we 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 almost we were almost late, so that part was scary. Yeah. See, you know what? It's funny because you post like, eh, I think I'm good. I'm going to get some sleep. As I was posting, I was like, I feel like this is going to come back and bite me. But, you know, <laughs> it's the 10th one. We got this. You know, don't think like that, Brad. Think positive. Everyone's like, think positive, Brad. Yep. And sure enough, <laughs> <laughs> what happened? What, what uh, was what made it so you 
oh, almost didn't get it in on time. Yeah, it was messed up because we actually started. Uh, we were able to have someone edit like while we were shooting. Yeah, so we were pretty far ahead. Um, and then we, you know, we stopped filming around seven o'clock on Saturday, like you know the plan was. Um, and then Ryan had his cut ready a couple hours later. Um, and then, you know, I was exhausted and people were telling me like, yeah, go ahead and sleep. You're fine. You know? Yeah. Uh, and then Ryan like left for a second to go kind of lay down for a second cause the, the, you know, his cut was done and I started doing the graphics and I was like, you know what? I can take a few, <laughs> a few, uh, I've earned this <laughs> Yeah, an hour or two. Like I'm, I, you know, if I stay up, I'll just hurt the team. Um, <laughs> and be too exhausted. And then next thing I know, four hours later, I'm waking up to Mike and Ryan watching like the next cut. And I guess Ryan fell asleep for another four hours too. So, um, well, but it, it doesn't seem like that much time is lost, especially when like we all expected to sleep at that point. Mm-hmm. But, um, the other thing was we had a plan to shoot this pickup shot on Sunday. Um, and because of who was supposed to be in it, uh, it, you know, we kind of scheduled it later for them and then they ended up not being able to do it. So we had to replace them and it's like, well, you know, the two hours we were sitting around and kind of waiting for that to happen, we could have already done it. Mm. Um, so, but it was it was a health thing, so you know it can't be like you know they're not screwing around. It was just you know well, it, it I mean, and that you know you, the way that movies the movies for that festival are made. I mean, yeah, you, you got to be able to adapt. Yeah, you have to be able to adapt. Yeah, because... and again too, like I was thinking, yeah, we're fine. You know, there's not much to do left. The movie's almost done. You know, we can coast to the end. And about noon, you know, we had our first cut, like first final thing for Mike to score. Um, so we're feeling really good. And then all of a sudden, just like this time vacuum happened where I started doing these compositing shots of this television in there. And next thing I know, f- another four hours just disappeared. And I had like only one of them done. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the only thing Mike needs next is all those composites done so that he can do his final thing. And it just got really cl- clogged at the end there. And. Uh, I think about six o'clock, you know, we finally started exporting the final render and it just reminded us of, uh, years ago when we did Thunderbolt, we exported that movie and it would like crash at 99%. Um, and it took like an hour to export. Yeah. So, you know, th- we can't afford another hour to do it. So luckily, um, it exported, it finished. And then all of a sudden all my USB drives disconnected out of nowhere <laughs> like it's never happened before on anything i've done just like the whole usb connection just ejected itself and so i had to restart the computer uh just to get back into everything and copy the file onto a thumb drive so while that was happening i already had mike our sound guy like he was in the garage with this car started like ready to back out and uh ryan ran the drive over to him and i just heard like this peel out sound <laughs> he said like <laughs> Like he's in a suburban Nevada neighborhood, and he's like, "Yeah, Mike just took off like sixty miles an hour down this like, <laughs> children playing neighborhood." Um, and he got to the Skylark from Arvada in I think ten minutes. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure he's doing like a hundred on I seventy. And then and I what time did it have to be turned in at? Seven thirty. What time did it get turned in at? Seven twenty-one. So it's probably good. Yeah, <laughs> nine minutes to spare. No, seven twelve. Yeah. Oh, I got there like seven twenty-one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going as fast because yeah. <laughs> I had the backup copy, so hmm. uh, it wasn't a big deal. But yeah, like he left at like six fifty eight, <laughs> got there at seven twelve or something. It was nuts. Nice. Wow. So, but in that, like, uh, I also had this side um, goal of taking all the criteria that they've ever given us—characters, props, lines of dialogue—and writing a 
script around all those things mm-hmm. and leading up to it people are like no we shouldn't do that that's crazy like that just sounds like we can barely do the three that we, we get each year and um the week before i was kind of like looking at the different genres and then just kind of writing little mini plays in my head based on the just mm-hmm. the dialogue because the characters i was like well we just throw the first names in there yeah and they could be anything like you know if the occupation isn't the same who cares yeah you know it's only for us uh the props were easy because we still had some of them and you know, you just throw in the background and call it good. Um, but some of them we actually worked into, like they make sense to the story. But the line of dialogue was the hard part. But, you know, I was crafting these like little short things of like, this makes sense if you just change the inflection from like the way we said it last time. You change a little bit, it works, and uh, we got it all in. Nice. So so tell us, what is Solve for X about? <laughs> uh, Solve for X is a thriller suspense mystery um, when... Uh, there is a rumored serial killer in the neighborhood. Um, suddenly these four uh, neighbors find themselves uh, victims, potential victims of their latest trap. And they must find, they must assemble all the clues to find the way to escape. Hmm, like Saw. A little bit like Saw. <laughs> or, or Escape Room, 2019's Escape Room. <laughs> yeah. But there's some twists and turns. And of course, you know, I can't take anything seriously, so it's a little bit of a comedy. Nice. <laughs> um, and Solve for X just really I references. Want you to solve for X. <laughs> Your whole life you've got. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Solve for X title has two meanings. Obviously, it's like the us 10, solving yeah. for what to do for 10, but also, you know, X is a variable. And so, like, when you're solving an equation, yeah. you know, what's that missing piece? supposed to be i like oh, it Solve for nice. x sounds 90s and did you get selected for best of we don't know yet they haven't um they haven't even announced audience choice yet do so. you believe you'll be selected for best of it's hard to tell um you know now that you've removed yourself from the product and you've seen <laughs> it do you believe that it's a good movie that you've put together it's one of the best things we've done um there's a couple mistakes in it that i think i'll only notice but for the most part it's it's it mo- like for seven minutes it moves really fast and it's complex and i think it's one of the best things we've written just because it's so dense like mm. not only is there the criteria stuff but we also managed to like um like there's subtextual things of uh like some of the actors play new versions of the characters that they've played before with the same name if that makes sense mm-hmm. um and then like there's other characters that ended up like just randomly um the the two characters from catastrophe the brother and sister just magically ended up being brother and sister again <laughs> um due to a last minute like casting de- like decision mm-hmm. uh, so that was like a cool bonus thing um yeah, at one point there's a you know a scary moment and we flash the thunderbolt uh strike sound so there's like little easter eggs in there um it's it's incredible um and obviously everyone is like on their game and funny and uh yeah uh, but yeah, the competition is pretty tough. Like there was, you know, when you see all the blocks together, usually it's kind of up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, but block D alone, like I could see any one of those. It was like 11, 12 films. Any one of them could go to the best of, which is usually 12 to 15 films. Wow. So, uh, yeah, they have a lot to pick. I don't, I don't envy anyone trying to select movies this year cause it's, it's going to be tough. Well, congratulations, Brad. I have a question. Oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> is it true that now that this is your 10th 48-hour film that you're going to retire? Am I hanging it up? Yeah, and just start you know, writing 48-hour critiques and 48-hour history <laughs> fi- books and stuff like that, you know? Um, you know, 
I don't think I could ever, you know, pretend to be the 48 hour expert without having won it all. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. It's, it's not entirely up to me. Like I like to keep doing it, but I wouldn't want to keep doing it if I couldn't do it with my friends. Mm-hmm. So if they can't do it, there's less incentive for me to want to. Um, but I'm kind of thinking, cause I think one of the things that actually is holding us back is the fact that I'm team leading, directing and shooting it and co-editing it. Um, it's probably too much for me at this point. Mm-hmm. So next year, if we end up doing it, I may, we may have to restructure me only doing one thing. Right. So, but it, well, you have another director in the room. Yeah. Yeah. But wait, wait, that might be a bad idea. It's like if someone else directs <laughs> it, is it an Ibisvision's movie anymore? And then why couldn't it be? You, well, cause I'd it, insist that my name would go above the title. It's still a production <laughs> by you, right? Yeah. I guess I'm still producing, yeah. but yeah, I guess I at least wrote, like co-wrote it. Like Brad Pitt, of... Plan B. I mean, he doesn't direct anything, and <laughs> yeah. it's his movies. One of the best uh, things I've ever heard about in terms of like making a film and the process of it is, like, I like the whole possessive like a film by so and so, something like that. But the truth is, is like I do like how Kevin Smith does it, where it's just like a USQ production or just like a Smod Co production or wherever, where the whole collective is involved so theoretically yeah, the collective. it's still your stuff yeah exactly yeah. it's still you they know it's okay who you is. can always you know delegate that's yeah. that's what pe- heads of studios do yeah and don't worry my name would only be in small print above the title yeah because we know it'd be an inferior product yeah, yeah. <laughs> also delegating is hard it, like actually i'm in, i'm really disappointed in myself in this year i felt like i really dropped the ball on directing because i was like i was constantly wondering well, what what was in this like hey can someone Read me the script, for, like so I can remember where we're at. Because mm. I don't do storyboards; like it just takes up too much time. And Sounds like you're games. a normal director doing his normal gig. But also, the 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 worst part is I got short with people for once. Mm. Like, but but here's the thing: is you can't always be liked as a director because no. you have a job to get done. That's why people keep coming back because like they, they have a good time they, on they, set. Do they think they come back because you're so nice or because you put out good product? Because uh, I would argue, <laughs> no, I would argue that um, why people go play for the New England Patriots is not because it's an awesome culture to play in. It's because it's they create a culture of winning yeah. and they create stuff. So well, at the end, at we the don't end, really win though. Like we yeah, get, but you put you know I've been to a few of them, Brad, and your stuff is better than a lot of the stuff that wins because the audience stuff is how many friends can I bring to um, the you know the show? Yeah, yeah. so that's how I plan to win. <laughs> good and it, but you know at, you have to find a balance it's just like being a supervisor you're gonna have to be a dick sometimes yeah because you have to get the shot it's also hard to be a dick on a movie where like everyone's re- required to be there for free <laughs> so it's like it's, it's it, tough to pull rank do, do you guys do you guys want to be in this movie or not because you know what i have nobody else who can do it just yeah. it, it's tough but as a director you got to find that balance it's just like yeah. being a supervisor for anything dude we did like the maybe you need a supervising producer that's that actually can help with the hierarchy and everything actually i had eileen like she was like she was script supervisor but she was also basically like my ad Mm -hmm. assistant director and i still was like all over the place and like she did a great job but you know she was when she was getting really tired and holy shnikes that was a lightning strike give my creation (laughs) life (laughs) am i not supposed to be talking about this (laughs) no you're fine wait did you hear that thunder (laughs) <laughs> wow! Well, Dell just farted. Um, I I knew I'd get my dad on the podcast. I just didn't think it would be this way. <laughs> yeah, no, I, Eileen kept me in line, but at one point she was so loopy from not sleeping. Like, um, there was like this wall between the the set and where she was, and she was like so close to passing out, and I was just like running her ragged, just, yeah. like 
feed me the line, feed me the line. Like, what what happens next? What happens next? And well, you I don't know, know. Don't, don't feel bad about Brad. Everybody, you know, people expect it. And if you're a supervisor, you got to get stuff done, especially when you're on a time crunch like that. You got to get it done. Yeah. I mean, I've been on your, I've been in your shoes, feeling that way, and. See, what you guys need to start doing is just be an asshole like me and not care. See, that's the thing I've learned at the end of the day. Like, you've kind of just got to do what's right in the moment in certain cases and then just, you know, like, do your best to be on top of it. Because I can also guarantee you that Steven Spielberg is a really nice dude. But, but, you guarantee be you, but I guarantee you on set, he's probably not that nice. You, you've got to be firm. You've got to. Yeah, you got. You have a vision. You got to get it done. Yeah. And if they're not going to do it, then um, sometimes you got to crack the whip. I feel like and, at this point, everyone's just like, "Yes, Mr. Spielberg, absolutely, Mr. Spielberg." <laughs> yeah. Anything you say, Mr. Spielberg. Well, you've done ten of these, so they should say, "Yes, Mr. Hay." <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like at the end of the day, it's going to be a, a balance and whatnot. And if somebody didn't like the way. You know, you performed on set and whatnot. You know, I'm sure there are like nine other people who did enjoy it and will yeah. keep working. And with they're you, all you know? your friends. So, yeah, exactly. like if I was working on something with you and you yelled at me, I'd be like, all right, sorry. Because it's like, you know, as an actor, I know that I do that. And so sometimes you have to be told what to do. And, and that can right. also tell you what level people are committed to the project. Yeah. If they're if, if they're going to make a fuss like that, then they weren't committed to the project yeah. in the first yeah. place. And then you cast them as extras in the background. Yeah. This is hard for me to like expect them to be committed because like, oh, yeah, you're here for free. Like, well, just cause... They're, they're already committed because they said they'd do it with you, right? Yeah. So. And, and, there's, and they have the same passion involved. Yeah, it's do. all a passion. And so it, it, they know that the end product that you put out is great. So I've only paid one actor... Thus far in the films that I've made, I've only paid one actor to be in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody can, else has done it for free, and there's can, tensions, but it all works out. Yeah. At the end. You're not allowed to pay people for the 48, so. Well, yeah. that's true. So then they know that too. So you got to get it done. Anyways, yeah, I rescued a cat today. That's why my hands all messed up. <laughs> Woo! Wow, true story. I thought you just let it go. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's dog, um, these people called in. Their cat got behind, so their wall cornered, and they had a hot water heater. And the cat jumped behind there, and he got stuck. So um, I, I moved the hot water heater a little bit. I was like, man, maybe if I can just move it a little bit, mm-hmm. he'll be able to, like, scoot out. But when I moved it forward a little bit, he slid further down. And he put his pie. I was going, meow, meow. So I said, I got an idea. I said, hand me a towel. So I held the hot water heater, and I pulled it back a little bit. I dropped the towel uh-huh. down there, and he jumped on and started climbing up. Nice. And I'm, so I'm holding the hot water here, and he's climbing, climbing. I'm like, oh, fuck, he's getting to the top. And he takes his claws and goes, wham, right into my hand. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I pulled him out, and the people were. Why were, is the owner incapable of doing this? Um, so, I don't know. <laughs> the, sometimes you just need someone to be there. And They threw their cat back there just yeah. to get you to come yeah. out because they like you. Yeah. And, you know, they were as excited as when I saved the baby's life. So, you know, cat, baby, is it's kind of a, you know. It's all on the same page. Yeah, they're equal. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. That's that's why my hand's all messed up oh, today. Nice. Yep. It's nice of you. Yeah, you know. Did I, they allow you all. to name the cat after you or something like that? Uh, it? No, they allowed me not to throw it in the street. So it was a win-win. Ah, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Just and while that was happening, two people were gunned down yeah. on Main Street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> murders in a small mountain <laughs> town because the police were busy rescuing a cat. But no, I was actually stoked because I was like, man, is this cat going to be smart enough to know if I put this down here? And it wasn't even, it was like a second he jumped on because I think he realized he was fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, the survival instinct kicks in. And yeah. So yeah, that's what I did today. Yeah. 
and arrested and people. Filmmakers, but... cat savers. Yeah. I need so, to do something with my yeah, fucking life. Do something with your life. Ryan mm. Frost, the cat rescuer. <laughs> 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 um, so, yeah. Brad, are you up for going around town to tell us what's happening around town? Or you don't, ha- or you have no idea what's going on around town. I, I do. I know what's going on. All right, on. cool. Let's go around town. He might be tired, but he's still gonna take his moped driving down Colfax, not giving a damn. Don't fall asleep and hit the world in the mind. <laughs> I just realized doing an invisible cu- guitar didn't work if I didn't make the sound with it. So yeah, this is next a podcast. Time <laughs> yeah, next time I will. <laughs> still, that was a fun image. I wish we had recorded it. <laughs> Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. Uh, wow, okay, let's see. Uh, the drive-in, they are, I think, through August 15th, which is how many more days? Three? Two? Two. Mm. Uh, they're doing um, The Lion King, Toy Story 4, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, wow. so I'm hoping they extend it out another fucking week, man. Yeah, we'll see. I want to do that. Uh, I think it's only been that way for one week, so yeah. they might. Um, That's I, super late for that movie. Yeah, <laughs> but they've had Lion King and Toy Story 4 for yeah, four weeks they're now. still raking in money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So there's that. And then the uh, Midnight the Esquire this week is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh. So I'm going to check that out. What day is that? Friday and Saturday. Mm. The 16th and 17th? <laughs> I'm thinking if I can break that into my schedule. Mm. Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, <laughs> later in September, uh, you know, the tickets are already on sale, but uh, Tommy Wiseau is coming to uh, uh, present the room. Oh, good. I need to do some underwear shopping. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, don't care about that. In two weeks, I'll be seeing Cary Grant at the Shea Artis. Hell yeah. Dude, it's it's. It's going to be weird. It's going to be a bunch of old people and then me and Ryan. It's going to happen. Making yeah. out. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fucking A. I mean, <laughs> nope. Can I touch the screen while Cary Grant's on the screen? I mean, it's, the, the screens are low there. You probably could go touch the screen. Probably. I think you might cause a scene, but nobody's going to be able enough to get up and stop yeah, you. Yeah, probably gets high as his dick. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Enorm- <laughs> that was the best scene in North by Northwest where Cary Grant just whips his dick out, mm-hmm. and that's why the crop duster chases him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Does that guy have his fucking dick out? <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna drop this poison on him. Cut, 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 Cary. Why did you whip your pen- penis out? I was giving the people what they wanted. Okay, that that's not going to work. I'm just going to go make a movie about a man who butchers people in a shower now. Get your dick out of my cornfield. <laughs> <laughs> and that corn cob out of your ass. <laughs> um, I, I, I can't believe I said that about J- James Grant. Mason's in the corner going no, like, well, this is all very interesting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I fucked that one up. Anyway. That and was also fun. looking ahead, uh, September 12th is the best of of the 48 uh, at the Mayan. So um, I don't know if I'm going to be... September like, 12th? September 12th. Yeah. So it's not that far away. Um, I'm going to go regardless if our team get, gets in or not. So, uh, And you should too because it's a good program. They'll be able- How much will it be to get in? Probably 12 bucks. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. The price of a normal movie ticket. You know, yeah, but... yeah, but And you get I, to see wait, where 15... where does that money go to? Uh, probably the theater rental. I mean, it's expensive. And then... Goes the Illuminati. <laughs> I was thinking, I'm like, is there no prize money for the winner? Uh, I mean, you get to go to 
Filmapalooza, which I don't know what city it's, it's in this year. Do they pay for you to go out there? No. So where does all the money go that you guys register with? Well, it probably goes to... The pay film. for the next year's That's the, your best of screening, then the Filmapalooza screening, then the can screening for the winners. Yeah, but this is... Hmm, sounds like a pyramid scheme. <laughs> Theater rentals are expensive. Except it's not shaped exactly like a pyramid. We're still trying to figure out the shape. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. Um, Anything else going on around town that you could tell us about? Not that my brain can remember. We should just uh, see what uh, Corinne has in store for us this week. Yep. This is Catching the Classics with Corinne. Hey, nerds. Corinne here for part 22 of Catching the Classics, where I watch famous and popular movies I've never seen before and send them my review. This week, I tackled Top Gun. <sighs> Y'all are going to hate me. Um, yeah, sorry. I wasn't really a big fan of this movie. Um, I will say, so a little bit of context. Number one, I knew some stuff going into the movie. Obviously, I know it's about fighter pilots. Although, I thought they were Air Force, but nope, they're in the Navy. And I knew about the volleyball scene. I knew Goose died. I knew Tom's uh, Tom Cruise's character has this like weird romance with a lady. Um, I knew there were a bunch of like weird, like homoerotic sex jokes in the movie that they play Highway to the Danger Zone three different times. So essentially, I knew if you've ever seen the Honest trailer for Top Gun, which if you haven't, you should go check that out. Um, but that's basically what I knew about this movie. Um, and then, so on top of that, one of the reasons I did it was with the sequel, um, being announced and, you know, the trailer for that being released, it was kind of in conversation with a lot of people for some reason. So I had at least three different people blast me over the past month for never having seen this movie. So I was like, shut up. I will watch it. And I did. And I think they hyped it up so much that it could have never lived up to the hype, much like The Godfather. So just keep that in mind as we're going into it. Okay. So, yeah, was not a big fan of this movie. Um, what are the good things about it I can say? Um, I thought the acting was was fine. I thought the acting was fine. There were some shots that I thought were really well composed. Um, I liked the score for the movie. The soundtrack, um, as I said, they do play Danger Zone three different times. They also play Take My Breath Away seemingly constantly, and I'm like, oh my gosh, please shut up. Um, <laughs> I hate that song. So that's that's a personal thing for me. Um, there were definitely some sequences where, you know, I was like, there were, you know, there was adrenaline and it was like exciting. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like what's good. What are they going to do? Oh my gosh. And then that thing's happening. Oh, so there were definitely scenes that I was invested in, especially, um, at the end. Uh, and you know, basically any scene where they're flying, I was definitely like, okay, this is actually really exciting. But then anytime they weren't flying, oh man, yeah, this movie has like some serious pacing problems, writing problems, editing problems. Um, what, so I guess what do I, what, what I mean by that is, 
So, spoilers. Goose dies two-thirds of the way into the movie. And I do not think that it is treated very well. I feel like his death is very abrupt. And that might be a uh, a purposeful thing that they might want it to feel kind of jarring and like, you know, like, oh my gosh, like, all of a sudden he's dead. And maybe that's just because they don't freaking telegraph it like seemingly everybody does nowadays with character deaths. But, I mean, it really just, it felt like it didn't land quite well. Like, almost like it was just, uh, yeah, like that whole scene where they eject out of the plane and Goose dies because he hits the canopy on his way out. And then they get rescued, and that was, it was just, it was all handled so weirdly. And overall, that whole last act of the movie where Tom Cruise's character, Maverick, is having confidence issues, as somebody in the movie put it, it's like, oh my gosh, his best friend, and as he said earlier in the movie, only family member died and you you're just supposed to act like he's like oh he's just like lost his mojo or something this movie does not handle like military related trauma ptsd loss bereavement like any of that stuff and um it's just i I felt like the whole thing was not handled very well it's not handled well at the beginning with um Cougar, when he gets scared and he, you know, freezes up in the cockpit and they have to, like, help guide him down. And that was really the only part of Maverick's character that I actually really liked was that he did seem to be aware and compassionate and, like, was willing to disobey orders to help his um, teammate, fellow pilot, I guess. So that was maybe the best thing about him that I can say. Because otherwise, his character was just such a prick. And he goes from being, like, 100% of a prick to maybe 70% of a prick by the end of the movie. I mean, yeah, it's like, okay, I guess he he grew and he learned. But not as much as I would have wanted him to, I guess. I I did think of it later, but um, it kind of reminds me of Tony Stark's arc in Iron Man, the first first Iron Man movie, where he goes from being this, like, selfish, self-absorbed, you know, asshole who's just, like, so far up his own genius and who has this, like, ginormous, like, father-sized chip on his shoulder and he's constantly trying to prove it to everybody that he's the best because he also thinks that he's the best but I like how Iron Man executes Tony Stark's arc better than how this movie executes Maverick's arc. It, because the majority of Maverick's character development doesn't come until the last mm, 40-ish minutes of the movie. And Tony Stark, I feel like you see him grow pretty much from like the first 15 minutes in, like, he, like, his world is just turned upside down. And I think it's because instead of with Maverick, you have, like, the kind of, quote, defining trauma, if I can use that term, of his, of at least the story of his that we see in the movie is at the end. And then for 
Tony, it's at the beginning. So maybe that's just, I don't, I don't know. But yeah, I think this movie has some serious issues. Um, I don't think that it dates itself very well with the whole love story. Uh, I, I guess it's not as bad as it is in some older movies like 16 Candles, for instance, but the fact that his teacher falls for him and it's, I just, I didn't really see any chemistry between them. She's just like, I've fallen for you. And I'm like, why? He's a, I mean, I guess she likes bad boys. Is that it? Like he's good looking and he's suave and he acts like a, just a total ass. And somehow that turns you on. I don't know. It's so, it's so stupid. It's like, everybody go read my thing about rom-coms and how it's like, oh, just because they're two attractive people and they're the main characters, all of a sudden it just, the movie just has to have them end up together. Oh, I, yeah. Anyway, um, the, okay, so I, I, I did like the f sequences where they were flying and I know that they were probably limited on the actual footage they could use but I felt like I could not follow the action half the time. And like they were reusing footage and the cuts were like super quick. I couldn't tell who was who, who was doing what, who was going where half the time. And again, that might be a deliberate, a deliberate choice because maybe they want you to feel like you're in the thick of it and you're, you don't know what's going on and everything's happening so fast. And you know, it's kind of like what Tom Cruise's character Maverick says of, you know, you don't, in the air, you do not have time to think. You just have to react. And so maybe it's kind of channeling that a little bit, but I really would have appreciated some longer shots and kind of give me an idea of who is where in relation to whom, how far apart are they, all this kind of stuff. Um... I feel like I have a lot I can say about this movie. I just want to make sure that I've covered everything that I mentioned. Yeah, I think the editing was weird. The pacing is weird because, again, it go it goes from this, like, really awesome, like, adrenaline-filled action, you know, flying scenes to, oh, they're just talking, and Maverick's getting his butt chewed out again. And he keeps telling Goose, like, oh, it won't happen again. I'm like, bullshit. We all know. The, the minute, you know, he's just so absorbed in the competition, whether it's, you know, the literal one between him and his Top Gun classmates or the figurative one between him and the ghost of his father, whatever, you know, that, you know, he's just so absorbed in the competition that he can't see clearly enough to make good decisions, I guess. But, yeah, Whatever. It's like, oh, he learned his lesson. Don't, don't leave his wingman. And yeah, I, I'm sorry. Just wasn't really a fan. I think a lot of the things that this movie does or attempts to do are done better in other movies. Like I said, I think you could just watch Iron Man and see a similar arc done better. Or you could go watch Porco Rosso. Maybe it's just because I, you know, finished doing the Miyazaki movies, but I was like, wow, this, this movie is kind of similar to Top Gun, except that everything in Porco Rosso, like, they do the same thing, but better, seemingly. I mean, obviously, the setup is very different, but 
a lot of like the themes and the conflicts are similar. So anyway, everybody just go watch Iron Man and Porco Rosso instead. Skip Top Gun. I know it's like a cult classic, not like a cult classic, but it's just a classic movie by like cultural norms nowadays. But I'm sorry, I'm not really into it. I don't think I'm like the target audience for it either. So I say that with full knowledge that I don't really care. And maybe that's okay because I'm not supposed to. Um, I'm trying to de debate whether I should give it two and a half or three stars. Um, I don't know, maybe three because I gave like Scarface three stars. And I would be more, more willing to watch this again than to watch Scarface. So, yeah, okay, I'll give it three stars. I had been telling everybody else two and a half earlier, but I'll give it three. But just know, it's like a low three. Anyway, all right, so for my next one, um, so we did Dr. Zhivago, that was a drama. We did this, it's an action movie. I'm thinking next, I want to do like a comedy. So, if the nerds are willing, I will let you, the listeners, choose. Um, uh, hopefully, like, posting it on social media, there will be, like, some polls up. And you, hopefully you guys can choose on whether I watch uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Is that what it's called? Four Weddings and a Funeral? Three Weddings and a Funeral? Something like that. Or Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. So, one of those. You can choose, and I will watch it. Okay. I uh, hope you all had fun at the movie this week, and I'll talk to you next time with one of those two comedies. Bye! Uh, so, Corinne, you're totally wrong about Top Gun. There's no editing issues or pacing issues with it. It was just a kick-ass American movie where they were inverted and gave uh, the Russians the bird. I oh my god, Ryan, calm down. I'm going to fucking kill okay. someone! Ryan, 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 put down the bat. Put down the bat. It's all good. What if I told you I still haven't seen it? Well, then you have no right to say anything, and you're um, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> what, if you've, what if you've run to it? The whole thing. I mean, just, I don't know why you can't just hang with the boys and I, I, I not only did that, I sweated with them, man. Yeah. I did the whole damn thing. I know. I, I, I don't get the editing thing. That's the only thing that, that, that movie's pretty well edited for an 80s, 1986, right? Uh, yeah, I think, well, I mean, I think the, the jet fighting scenes alone yeah. are some of the best edited scenes. Did it win the Oscar for best editing? I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm going to look. You keep talking. I, um, do you want to hear about my Weird Al story while we're waiting? Yeah, that's yeah, a great well, picture. Finally, weird have a good Al Weird Al sto a picture. Fuck. Yeah, well, they did professional photos this year, so I was able to download a digital copy of it. Nice. Um, yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> that's the story. Goodbye. You know, hey, movie news happens throughout the week in a segment we call Movie News, because we're not creative. It's real news. Brad is, but you know, I know. Not but today. after like what nine years of this podcast, you think we've figured it out by now? And well, nope. I mean, it is really real news. Yeah, we got the real pun. Yeah, that's not really funny. I'd say we accomplished more than we expected to. And no, did you see the tweet from some lady who randomly was driving through Louisiana listening to our podcast? No, no, yeah. 
some lady stuck a traffic jam. She said, uh, this is getting me through a traffic jam in Louisiana. And I was like, oh, this must be someone that likes us. And I went back and uh, she didn't follow us or anything. So she found us on her own. And she just tweeted us to tell us that? Yep. Cool. So that was very nice of her. And Man. she's some marketing director. So thanks. Man, all those Louisiana jokes I made in the past. Oof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're going to lose her very quickly. Yeah, we were pretty rough on the South. I know. <laughs> oh, they should build better levees. And hey, we're not rough on them. God is. Anyway, real news is... You don't believe in God. <laughs> don't I? Um, we got some trailers. That's actually a joke from Michael Ian Black. <laughs> he, he's talking about how he's in New Orleans, and he's talking about how people are assholes. Mm-hmm. And he said, because even victims can be assholes. Mm. And, 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 you know, after a show, some lady comes up to him and says, Hey, you know, I'm sorry about everybody else, y'all, because that's how they talk down there. And he said, Hey, I don't hate New Orleans. But God does. That's wow. a funny joke. She listened to Mike Lee in black. He's really funny. <laughs> Watch the state. I like the state a lot. Anyways, I'm done being an asshole. No, you're all good. Except um, to Corinne. <laughs> Three stars, Corinne. He's never going to let you. No, you give Top Gun the same score as Scarface. We have problems. Yeah, that, that's that's where I'm a little confused. But anyway, hey, you know what? You know, movie movies are interpretive art form. Yep, moving on. Anyway, uh, speaking of trailers for movies, um, we got trailers. Um, first up, we got the Little Women trailer from Greta Gerwig, who did Lady Bird. Was there a Little Women last year? That uh, was something it, completely different. It was. It uh, Corinne is a big fan of. She had it on like adaptations of Little Women, if I remember correctly. Yeah, she had this one. Like the one from last year was like some kind of modern day interpretation yeah. about people writing Little Women or something. But like who that. directed that? Because I thought that was Greta Gerwig. No, whatever. The, this one's by Greta Gerwig, and it's uh, time appropriate, uh, period appropriate, um, and it has Saoirse Ronan, Timothy Chalamet, uh, Bob Odenkirk, Emma Watson. Okay, I'm in with Bob Odenkirk. Uh, Meryl Streep, Laura Dern, nope. Florence nope. Pugh. Nope. That's <laughs> I'm out again. Yeah, you, you don't like Meryl Streep? Nope. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was gonna be like, you don't like Mary Poppins Returns? She's in that thing. She is. It doesn't mean I have to like her in it. That's true. She's not Mary Poppins. Yeah, she's no fucking Emily Blunt. She's not Michael Rourke, <laughs> Michael Rooker, um, because uh, he's Mary Poppins, y'all. Uh, trailer looks fun. Um, it looks like Little Women, but done with Greta Gerwig's kind of style interpretation. I like Lady Bird a lot, so I will check yeah, it she's out. She's fun. Um. Uh, we also got a trailer for what I think is, it's, I don't know if this is going to be Eddie Murphy's return to My Good Graces. It's Dolomite is My Name, um, which uh, is actually by written by Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski, the guys who did Ed Wood and uh, People vs. Larry Flint. Uh, trailer looks fun. Um, it's weird. I was I, like watching it. I was like, this just seems like Black Dynamite, but Black Dynamite is a parody of that. So. <laughs> yeah. So it, I want Eddie Murphy to be fun again. He, he looks fun in the yeah. trailer. Um and again, Alexander and Karaszewski being behind it tells me it'll be a lot of fun because Ed Wood, Man on the Moon, uh, People versus Larry Flint. I'm actually a fan of their OJ miniseries, so um, I'm more than willing to check this out. Um, uh, it's kind of weird, actually. They said it's going to be coming to select theaters, which I'm like, what? Mm. This, this doesn't seem like a similar situation to Scorsese where you want to give it a theatrical release. This might oh, be. Maybe they have faith in it. That, that's true. You never know. Um, uh Hey, Ryan, you like Friends, and I gave you some Friends news last week. I know. There's I, some big news this week. I, I know. Um, well, maybe – well, I don't know if it's the same. Maybe it is. Could uh, there be any more shows they're showing in the theater? D- d- that's exactly what it is. September 23rd, 28th, and October 2nd, 
Friends 20th, 25th, the one with the anniversary, will be in theaters from Fathom Events. On the 23rd, they're going to show Pilot Redo. Uh, the one with the blackout, the one with the birth, the one where Ross finds out. Those are all from season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, September 28th, the one with the prom video. Season two. Yep, that's uh, where uh, Rachel finds out that yeah. Ross liked her. And, and it makes me cry. It does. It's a great um, episode. Uh, the one where no one's ready. That's a funny one. Uh, the that's one a with bottle the, episode. Mm-hmm. The one with the morning after. Uh, the one with the embryos. And then October 2nd, uh, you get the one with Chandler in a box. Oh, I love that episode, too. The one with Ross's wedding part two. The one where everyone finds out. And the one where Ross got high. That one's great. Hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, I love Friends. Yep. And, um, yeah, it uh, said they'll... Uh, uh, this will be all be remastered in 4K from the 35 millimeter that they shot yep. the show on. Yep. So yeah, if you are a Friends fan, go check that out. That sounds like a lot of fun. I might even go to one night because I haven't watched Friends in a long time, and that might be a fun. Yeah, little I think reminder. the second night it sounds like the strongest episodes. Hmm. Um, but Which I, ones have the monkey in it? That's all I care about. Uh, first oh. season. Yeah, but that I don't, I don't think, think we those got... ones. Uh, he might be in the one where no one's ready. I can't remember. No, because yeah. that's season two. He is not in that one. I, I love that Brad's like attention span with friends is where's the monkey? <laughs> <laughs> like, the one with Chandler in the box is amazing because he falls in love with this girl and he acts inside of like a big box mm-hmm. because he's um, showing Joey how much he loves him because Joey started dating the girl first. And um, yep, it's good. Heartfelt. And just wait um, in a couple more years. We will get the Joey retrospective, which will be. I think the show is that bad. I liked it, too, but. It didn't last long enough. No, two seasons. Yeah, I thought it was only one. I think it's two. I have the season one on DVD. Shoot, I'll have to have to find out. I haven't had to think about it for a while. What is even worth anything? Um, uh, let's see here. Um, uh, Tom Hardy will reunite with Michelle Williams for Venom Two. Uh, in other news, guys, they're making a Venom movie and a sequel to a Venom movie, and both have Tom Hardy in them. So. You know, just throwing that out there for that old joke. Um, this is my favorite news of the of the week. Um, remember Movie Pass and uh, how we used to give them shit all the time, and how we wondered how they were able to keep up with the things they were keeping up with. This might be a little bit of a clue. Movie Pass changed some user passwords on purpose so that they couldn't use the service during Mission Impossible Fallout. <laughs> um, yeah, up. that that is incredibly. I wonder if you up. can sue for that. I'm sure you, you can. Probably be can. A breach of the contract. Yeah. And you know what? If you get one of those class action lawsuit things in the mail saying like you're part of a class action lawsuit, like just take that check and run, man. Um, really? I got a few of those for things. I never take advantage of them. Oh, well. so I'm like, oh, it's probably like a dollar. <laughs> hey, this is still a dollar. Justice has been served when you do mm-hmm. that. Um, probably spend money trying to get that dollar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, it would be worth it, I suppose. Um, let's see. Um, Annapurna, the film company that Megan Ellison runs, um, their most recent putouts were Detroit, Vice. Um, they are in uh, the midst of bankruptcy, and uh, part of it is because they've been doing things on their better movies. They've been doing things on their own and have not uh, been partnering with other studios that can shoulder a lot of burden. Um, they uh, were putting out films earlier, such as Zero Dark Thirty, The Master. Um, Spike Jones is her, and then they splintered off and started doing their own stuff. And they've put out good stuff. It just hasn't been working at the box office. So it's not like they put out Missing Link, which is a really good film from this year. Yeah. 
but nobody did go. Um, and also if Beale Street could talk, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that just, it sucks because that's a company that's making interesting films. It's just no one's going. Um, and it looks like even more, uh, films will not be made, um, from Disney, uh, via their Fox acquisition. It seems like they're pulling back very hard after the results of Dark Phoenix. Uh, Dark Phoenix apparently lost them over $200 million, um, from the box office results of that. Um, so, uh, it seems like we're going to be pulling back a lot. There's apparently, uh, uh, um, I don't know if it's a rumor mill. It's just a confirmation that there was a screening of Jojo rabbit. And apparently a bunch of executives are nervous because Disney's not known for putting out films like Jojo rabbit, which is not releasing it or touchdown. I mean, what no, they're releasing following it. Jojo rabbit. They're still mm. doing it under Fox searchlight. Yeah. It's just that yeah. like, it, it just, it seems like they're trying to figure out how to work with the slate of films that they've been handed. Um, just keep it an indie indie release yeah. and do a uh, platform release like they do with indie stuff. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I, I mean, I want. I'm I, I'm excited for Jojo Rabbit. So yeah. you know, um, and uh, this is something that I. Yeah, I'm Hitler. So what? <laughs> That's my Corgan Hitler blend. <laughs> um, uh, it Chapter Two is coming out in about a month now. Um, uh, man, like two weeks. And uh, Machete confirmed that uh, they had to de-age the actors who played the kids for their reshoots, which, sure. Well, I mean, in other you're news, that age, you know, yeah. you're going to... Apparently, like, one of fur, the... Fur, where there was no more fur. <laughs> I saw a trailer last night of it that I hadn't seen before. Yeah, me too. Dope. Apparently, they said it's one awesome. of the kids, like, sp- like, had a growth spurt within the year between the release of the first one and now, so yeah. that makes perfect sense. Um, and then the last piece of news that I have here is that we had a death. Um, we had the death of one Barbara March, uh, who, uh, played, uh, uh, Lursa, um, one of the, wow, you're really stumbling through this buddy. Sorry. One of the two twins, uh, Klingon twins from redemption and redemption part two and next gen, um, generations. Yeah. Star Trek generations. Um, uh, her, her and her sister, Bebetor were trying to overthrow the, Trying to make sure I remember this. They're trying to overthrow and gain control of the Klingon Empire from not Tony Todd. The one that Probably Tony Gowron. T- Gowron, yes. So, um, yeah. Um, but she was um, uh, like in her 60s. And I, I, sorry, this news just came up to me. So I'm just trying to. 65 years old. Um, and, uh, yeah, she will be missed. That she she and the gal who play her sister are really creepy on that show, and um, they get blown to shit in generations. They get well, yeah, blown she right just to died. <laughs> if I find out that Malcolm McDowell actually killed her in real life, it will be very disappointing in my head because I'm reading cancer, and that's sad. Uh, anyway, that's news. Blu-rays came out today, and we're going to tell you about them. DVD releases the Blu-rays. This is the first time, well, not the first time that we've ever done a Today release, but um, I do want to point out you can get a new alternate steelbook cover of Halloween from 2018 in 4K. Um, Drawn by Todd McFarlane. Yeah, and it looks good. I just don't know if There's I no want to. reason to get it. Yeah. I saw a Saw one today, too. I was bummed about really? it. Really? Yeah. I was like, dude, I want that. Like the original Saw or Jigsaw? No, the 8-disc the collection. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which I just, I think, bought last year for... 12 bucks but it's 28 yeah i like the, the steelbook i so. like the slip cover one though that yeah, one looks, looks nifty good. i'll wait for 4k uh but anyway no today you can get 
the biggest movie of 2019. Of all time. Of all time. Beat out blue cat bullshit. You can pick up Avengers Endgame on Blu-ray, 4K, Steelbook, Target Limited Edition, FYE exclusive. I'm sure they're all there. Uh, yeah, you can pick those up right now today. You can also get for the first time on 4K Iron Man, Thor, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, and Thor the Dark World. Uh, all of those also have a limited edition steelbook at Best Buy. You can pick those up. And I did. In other news, I only got Marvel owns Iron my soul. Man today because I'm like, like, man, I have a family and I have to pay for back to school stuff. <laughs> I seriously sat there and debated. I was like, man, I should get more. But then I go, and I'm, but if. I'm already spending $70 on Endgame and um, Iron Man. I was like, I can't get any more. My wife, I'll be sleeping with my steel books <laughs> on our patio. <laughs> so I'm hoping I'm playing the I'm playing the game that I got the first Iron Man, and I'm hoping the other ones will still be there. Just yeah. imagine that happening to you in your Iron Man PJs. <laughs> I mean, they still have plenty of the Captain America ones on the yeah. shelf, so hopefully they've yeah. produced enough. Yeah, but um, I do. I kind of like the cover for the Target exclusive, but it's not the one I'm going to get. So. Yeah, I actually like the regular art, like for yeah. the non-steelbook, but I've already committed to the steelbook. So. Well, I yeah, I like the steelbook because Spider-Man's on it. <laughs> He's on the back, which um, I found out today. Yeah, the inside has Robert Downey Jr. and Scarlett Johansson because they died. Mm. <laughs> in, in, in memory of. Yeah. Um, um, but that's I love not, it, 3,000. But you know what? That's not the only big thing Disney's putting out on Blu-ray today, guys. Because uh, you can get a classic film from 1979 called The Black Hole um, uh, on Blu-ray through the Disney Movie Club. Mm-hmm. In other news, no, I've not seen this movie, but I know it's a Star Wars ripoff and I want to see it bad. And it's got Anthony Perkins in it. Mm-hmm. Anthony Perkins, Psycho in Space. It's not going to be that because it's Disney. So thanks to today, I have like 5,000 Disney Movie Rewards nice. points. And Time for D23. Is, is it worth it? Yeah, they send you a bunch. Of, like the magazines are super nice, and they send you. I mean, you can use it to get discounts and things. I and mean, you apparently get screening passes with that. Yeah, stuff, you do so. get screening passes. I saw. Um, like, have you taken advantage of any of them? Yeah, I saw. Um, not Mary Poppins. What came out in Christopher Robin? Christopher Robin. Oh. And, I usually get the posters, but they didn't. Like, they didn't release an Avengers post. Like they had a yeah. preview poster, but they didn't do like the cool one. Yeah, so th- they'll send you um, links, and it's only D23 members. So mm. the th- when I went and saw Christopher Robin, there was 12 people in the theater. And do you get any swag while you're there? No. Mm. But, you know, the, um, the, the magazines are really nice. Mm. Like, they're, they send them in, um, like, vinyl-sized cardboard, so they can't get uh, folded up. And they put them in protective sleeves because it has artwork. And I got one. The Captain Marvel one's awesome because the first half is Captain Marvel. And then the other half is like Donald Duck, the first eighty years, mm. and so it has a lot of like uh, character drawings and. I want to see that Donald Duck. Yeah, I'll bring it in. Oh, gosh. I wish they had the, like the movie standees and stuff because like yeah. they got that Wally that one time. They totally got rid of all the unique stuff because I have a Mickey and uh, Minnie um, like statuette. Oh yeah, and um, they don't do that stuff anymore. Yeah, that's too bad. Also on the Avengers releases, uh, you didn't mention there's a, a four collection steel book of yeah. just it's the a Avengers cool, releases. Uh, yeah. box, yeah. In it's a like, tin. It's like 150 yeah. bucks on. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, so that's it's fine. F- yeah, it's four, and they're at 35. Yeah, that's about right. That's not bad. Yeah, so it's like I, another like five bucks for the. I, the packaging's cool. Yeah. I don't have uh, Disney's Marvel's The Avengers and uh, Disney's Marvel's Avengers: Age of Ultron on Steelbook. It's probably so, a smart thing for you then. So yeah. I could just give my brother-in-law the Steelbook of Infinity War and clear myself out. But that's money I don't have. Um, 
you know, if I did have money, though, I probably would also spend the extra on Vice Squad from Scream Factory. Um, I, I have no idea what this movie yeah, is. I, just, I, I saw a trailer for it, and I couldn't even tell you what it's about. I'm sure it's insane, because the, the, the poster looks insane, and the poster's not even telling me much. Um, also from Scream Factory, you can get a steelbook of Galaxy of Terror, uh, which I have no idea what that is. Ryan, any? Nope. No. No? I'm out. Uh, and Forbidden World. Um, you can pick those up on Steelbook. Um, hey, relevant to my interests, uh, Kino Lobor is putting out uh, two of Hitchcock's early talkie films, Blackmail and Murder. Uh, you can get those on Kino Lobor Blu-ray. I already have those on a wish list that I'll eventually press purchase on. Um, Warner Archive is putting out Wagon Master from 1950, a lovely Western. That, Who's in that? Uh, I don't remember. Sounds familiar. I, I just can't did, picture it in my head. I'm going to take a guess and say, oh, yeah, 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 it's John Ford. So um, it sounds like a John Ford. But one. it's got uh, Ben Johnson, uh, Joanne Drew, Harry Carey Jr., uh, Ward Bond, Charlie Kemper. So, yeah, um, nice. it's... Uh, it's a Morgan, a Mor- a Morgan, a Mormon wagon train headed for Utah, led by Elder Wiggs, hooks up with two horse traders, Travis Blue and Sandy Owens. I, I want my new name to be Travis Blue, guys. Um, but yeah, you can get Wagon Master from Warner Archive. Um, and uh, Kino Lobor is also putting out Port of Shadows from 1938. Um, uh, that's not a film I'm familiar with, so maybe somebody can. Uh, let me know how that is. Uh, Warner Archives also putting out Moonfleet. Um, I have no idea what this is. Um, George of the Jungle from 1997 is getting a Disney Blu-ray release. So if you like Brendan Fraser swinging around on vines, check that out. And some VHS co- slipcover style releases of Roxanne and uh, the New Girl or the New Kid. So you can check that out. Um, and last but not least, my favorite release of the week is, uh, Universal finally answered all my annoying slash threatening mail letters and is putting out Radio Land Murders on Blu-ray. Uh, this is a wonderful film. Uh, one of the last great things that George Lucas ever did in his life, uh, was write the initial story and executive produce this film, uh, directed by Mel Stewart. Uh, you can check that out. Stephen Tobolowski plays one of the greatest villains in cinematic history because he tries to bring down an institution. Mm. <laughs> anyway, that's Blu-rays. Yeah, I was supposed to get um, True Believer, which is a Robert Downey Jr. movie I haven't seen with James Woods. I don't see that on here. Yeah, I know. I just got an email today. They pushed it to the top. Ah, uh, here we go. Here we go. Ooh. They did a lot of movies I'm not aware of together. Yeah, they they pushed it till the 23rd or something. I don't know I just got an email and went on my way here about it. I swear, like wh- when I looked up like during the Ultron, like gearing up to Ultron releasing, I was like, oh yeah, they were in less than zero together. And then I look at them like, tough, wow, tough. they were in, they were in at least three films. Jesus. Yeah. Um. So, but anyway, yeah, that's Blu-rays. We watch movies throughout the week in a segment we call We Watch Movies. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, were you able to watch anything this week? Uh, I had two weeks, actually. So, um, yeah, I got some stuff to talk to you about. Um, Let's start with I finally saw The Monster Squad. Oh, nice. For the first time. Um, It changed your life, didn't it? Meh. It's fine. Ryan, can um, I throw him out of my house? What is this? Is this like Troll Ryan Day? It's fun. It, it shouldn't. Uh, why? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the part where they're like, I'm trying to say it. Like, there's there's some 
dated dialogue early on. Yeah. Um, that's a little rough. Yeah, but kids still talk like that. I'm, I'm, I work in a school. The Goonies is worse. <laughs> that language. I haven't seen the Goonies in a while either. Mm. I don't know. It's just it's weird because like that. I, that was like the only movie. But that man offers them pie, and then they eat pie, and then he teaches them a valuable lesson about not, ju- not judging books by their cover. Uh, exactly, and, and then also like at the end, um, <laughs> they keep they have to find a virgin to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. But they're all girls. Like, why can't it be any one of the kids that are in the Monster Squad? Because none of them Unless wants they're to all die. Well, no, because that's part of the At thing. It has to be no. It has to be women. I, I didn't hear like it's, a, it's at the beginning. It's uh, like a virgin girl. I didn't hear the girl part. So yeah. I was just in there going, like, I mean, Rick, but he doesn't count. Doesn't yeah. count. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is fun. I just, just rewatched that movie three weeks ago. I fucking love that movie. Yeah, that's <laughs> an yeah. awesome movie. And I did think it was really funny when Dra- Dracula just rolls up to their treehouse and just throws dynamite in it and drives away. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what is this movie? Exactly. Like, he knows they're not even in there. <laughs> he just blows up their treehouse. I just love when Frankenstein's monster um, goes, goes, goes up to the little girl, <laughs> and then the little girl's trying to introduce Frankenstein's monster to them. And she's like, come on, you guys, don't be chicken shit. <laughs> yeah. And I was unclear, like, why he... Because, like, there's a scene right before that where Dracula's like, hey, Frankenstein, you know, go kill these kids. And then, like, he just meets the little girl. Like, he's years and years old, right? Like, it it should be the first time he's, like, seen a little girl. But he's Well, it's a play on the Frankenstein from James Wells' Frankenstein. Where he's essentially, like, he's a kid. Yeah, he's a a confused child. He's not really a bad guy. Yeah, no. Society made him that way, Brad. Society made him a murderer. it, It made it seem like... Like Dracula, Frankenstein, and Wolfman, and like they'd all had like, like a long history of trying to kill humans. Mm-hmm. Um, Dracula is the only one that does that by choice. Yeah, and everyone Every... just like reluctantly follows. Like I, the mummy seems really into it. Yeah, well, the yeah, I guess the mummy, Frankenstein. Well, the Wolfman's a normal dude until he. I mean, I think the yeah. like the werewolf transformation's awesome. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. Creature from the Black Lagoon. And the creature from Black Lagoon is awesome. Yeah, his yeah. motives are usually unknown, though. He's yeah. just a creature um, in a black. Lagoon. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, funny. The, uh, I didn't realize uh, the Wolfman was Uncle Rico from the Plain Dialogue. Yeah, it's like a bet I could throw a football in the mountains. <laughs> I still love when he throws a pizza at Napoleon. <laughs> God, I'm <laughs> forever. Yeah, so that was fun. Yep. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, I watched uh, uh, Bruce Willis's Death Wish. Oh, uh, but Amazon Prime buffered a lot, so I watched it like really slowly. <laughs> <laughs> Like I, I get to see a minute of it, and it would buffer, and then the next minute it would buffer, and it's like, oh, it's like the in an Eli Roth. I watched it over a few days. It's like the prime equivalent of watching like clip at a time on YouTube, like yeah. one out of ten, two out of ten. <laughs> and that's a weird movie, like because um, Eli Roth. There are some like really gruesome deaths that are kind of cool, uh, but overall, it just kind of feels like Bruce Willis is sort of there. He's been doing that a lot lately. I've been that interested in him in movies lately because he was the same way in Glass. Yeah, yeah. he seemed really disinterested. Yeah. Um, like sometimes it picks up with other times. Yeah. But it, it, I haven't seen the Bronson one in a long time. The Bronson one is, is a good movie. Certainly doesn't hold up in yeah. terms of like, I remember it, content, it feels but... like it's really edgy and dark. And this one seems a little, yeah. I mean, even for Eli Roth, a little like cleaned up. Yeah, he's... Well, you know, cause the first death wish is pretty dark and then it gets really goofy, like over the top violent. And yeah. And then the sequels get even worse. Yeah. Like, I mean, the first one's the most, grounded 
<laughs> I laugh, but yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, like, it's... It, Kersey's a normal guy who gets, you know, flipped off and just starts shooting people, but, like... I mean, like, the problem is is that, like, I have a hard time watching the original Death Wish right now nowadays, but, like, the remake, all I've heard is just, like, it, it has no idea how to, like, plant its foot on something, so I don't know. Yeah, this one, I don't know if it's the same as the original, but, like, he's a... a a surgeon. No. Already. And he's afraid of guns. Yeah. Like he's. No. Kersey nope. um, in the series has had a, had like various different. Like, well, he started off as an, ins- not an insurance agent. Like he starts off as something else. Like, by the end of it, I don't know what he's doing, but he's hanging out with a lady that Michael Parks fucks up. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then. So, yeah, his wife, Elizabeth Shue, gets murdered, but yeah. his daughter is in a coma. I think she gets raped in the original yeah 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 it's in the second one too i I can't remember in the second one she gets thrown out that's right she's thrown out a window and killed Mm. yeah yeah so directed by michael winner uh and then vincent d'afrio plays his brother in it um and he's like you kind of get the sense that he's an ex-con so the police uh, and the uh the detective team i don't know who the woman was but the the main detective is um from breaking bad um, dean norris dean norris yeah yeah um so they're kind of they're thinking it's the the vigilante that Bruce Willis is, they actually think is his brother. Yeah. Um, so he kind of gets framed a little bit. Um, but yeah, Bruce Willis just, you know, the more he kind of tries to track down these guys that killed his wife, he just steps across the line more and more. Um, and then it ends like really abruptly. Um, so, and then like the home invasion guys are kind of jokey. Um, so yeah, anyway, yeah, the, the home invasion Weird people in the original one. think they're funny too, but they're not. They're creepy AF. Yeah. Um. I also watched a Michael Keaton movie from the '80s called The Squeeze, which was really odd. I've seen the f- the cover for this. I've never seen the movie, but the cover of it is he's squeezed, squeezed in between the World two. Trade Center. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So he plays a like a an artist, but like well, not a street artist, but um. What do you call it? A graphic artist. <laughs> no, it's like uh, got like a performance, not a performance artist. Street performer. He's just an artist that like does, you know, it's, it's not like an art on a wall. It's sculptures and mm. like really abstract murals. Stuff. Mural artist. No. Sculptures and. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so like the main thing in the movie is he's building this this triceratops out of TVs and junk, um, and uh, this is. Uh, I think it's like 88, so it's the New York kind of uh, at the same time as Ninja Turtles and uh, mm-hmm. Jason goes takes Manhattan. Uh, <laughs> so it's like the cr- grimy, still New York. Uh, but he has this giant warehouse near the docks, which, you know, an artist yeah, could totally afford that. Afford yeah. that. <laughs> and this is, I don't know, 12, 20-foot triceratops built out of TVs and junk. And, uh, yeah, it's really hard to follow. There's a murder. Like, his ex-wife um, steals this thing um and then leaves in her apartment someone tries to go get it and they get murdered but she splits to i don't know uh the bahamas or something and then tricks michael keaton into uh, getting it for her and then he gets implicated by these mobsters or whatever and by the end you find out that the device is like a magnet that like if you put it under the 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 lottery balls when they shake them it picks the numbers that they Mm -hmm. want um it's kind of lame. Huh. It was like this company that's trying to like, they're going to steal this money by tricking the lottery. Um, like Michael Keaton's great in it and, and fun, but uh, it's just, 
I'm not weird. sure. Like it's just a weird plot. Yeah, I mean, you're describing. I go, hmm. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't fit the poster art? <laughs> yeah, and then Radon Chong is, is it? Yeah, I think that's her. Um, she's a uh, private investigator, I think. Um, and she, oh, she starts out as like a a summons person, and then she uh, when she fails at summoning Michael Keaton for whatever court thing he had to do with his ex wife, um, she uh, gets into private investigating as like a better profession, and then so she gets implicated in the murder and mystery and it's all over the place and i was huh. like is this movie three hours long <laughs> uh it's just, always a good sign yeah and joe pantaleano is like his uh his buddy and they do cons together um yeah uh so anyway uh the squeeze ladies and gentlemen <laughs> yeah it, it felt like one of those movies where like those actors were big at the time, so they just put them in something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like one of those comedies where I'm just like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah that's right. Maybe we that paid a ton of money out. for this script that we actually don't like. So, yeah, but we have to get it made, or else the rights or something. Yeah, um, or we need to fill the schedule with something. Something I did like was I I went to, and saw uh, the movie The Sword of Trust. Oh, with Mark uh, Maron. Mark Maron. Um, it's a very it's a small, like, interesting film. Uh, Mark Maron plays a pawn shop uh, owner. Um, and then the, the female villain from 22 jump street, I don't know her name. Jillian Bell. Yeah. Um, she, um, and, uh, her in the, in the movie, her partner, uh, her dad dies and they go to like clear out his estate and they think they're going to get his house. Um, but he's, uh, he's got a reverse mortgage. Mm -hmm. So the bank is getting his house and they get his antique civil war sword um and with the sword is uh a bunch of documents that their dad wrote saying that the south won the civil war and it was a union sword um and then they decide okay well let's uh try to pawn it and use this story that he wrote and mark maron's not buying it until he goes on uh, his assistant goes on youtube and he shows all these like um civil war i guess truthers um who think the south won he's like fuck those guys. Like if they're going to pay $50,000 for shit like this, I'm going to get that sword from these people. Uh, so he, after turning them away, he calls them back and says like, you know, I'll take your sword now for like 500 bucks and they know something's up. So they conspire together to eventually go together and try to griff these civil war people. Um, and you know, hijinks ensue. And, um, hmm. it's, you know, it's like maybe two, three locations entirely. And it kind of feels like clerks cause it's all like in the pawn shop or outside the pawn shop. Mm-hmm. And then Mark Marin, and it's, it's kind of about like the lies or the stories we tell to like get through life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of starts out with, uh, Mark Marin. There's like this girl who comes to the pawn shop and she, uh, seems like she's just trying to sell her, her, um, her poems, but it's really, she, like he thinks she's, um, he knows her. And she has a history of drug abuse. So it's like she, he's just trying to get money out of him so she can get high again. Right. Um, but you eventually find out that she actually needs it to fix her car so she can you know, keep her job and everything. But, you know, he's done with the lies. So uh, by the end, he kind of has to, he kind of feels like, you know, I, I should keep believing in people and not shut them down. Mm. Um so yeah, that, that, that was really—it's really funny too. Hmm. Like, uh, you know, eventually it goes awry, and 
it gets really dangerous and creepy. I want to see it. Yeah. The, the, the trailers kept playing all over the landmarks, so I want to check it out. Um, yeah, and the last three things I saw, uh, season three of Glow is on Netflix. Um, nice. A lot less wrestling in this season. It's really like very character-driven. Mm. Um, and the girls are in Vegas, and they're kind of on autopilot because the show is just doing well. Um, and it's kind of like... It feels like a bridge season into whatever's next. Okay. Uh, and it's and there's a lot more focus on the the supporting characters really, like Ruth and um, Debbie, like have big stuff to do. But it's not like about their conflict anymore. It's about everyone else's stuff. And Bash actually um, gets a lot more to do because he kind of like Sam kind of mellows out and because uh, it's a live show, he has nothing to direct mm-hmm. like. So he gets to write his screenplay and reconnect with his daughter. Hmm. Um, but Bash gets a big head and starts taking over the show and like forcing people to do stuff they don't want to do. And mm. and you figure uh, figure more about his like secrets. That's um, awesome. And there's also less like 80s music, which I was surprised. Like hmm. less famous stuff compared to the other seasons. So they probably cut the music budget. Um, Batman Hush yeah. came out. Um, actually, I'll save that for last because I know you watched it. Okay. Um, and the last thing I saw other than that was Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Which on Black Superman, <laughs> which is fun. Unfortunately, like all the cool stuff is in the trailer, like yeah, the outrageous stuff. Um, and then some of their banter back and forth is just kind of like not that witty. Um, it's uh. I think I said on the podcast last week, it's just a fun movie. I yeah. mean, it's one where you just say, oh, I'm just going to sit back and watch this. And I appreciate that that movie didn't lie to me. It was exactly what it was supposed <laughs> yeah. to be. Yeah, I expect amazing things. But I, I was hoping there would still be like some like cool spectacle left over that mm-hmm. I get to see. But again, the trailer pretty if, much has all of it. If that robot voice had been who apparently it was supposed to be, that would have been amazing. I, what is that? Like I have no idea what that's a reference. Oh, that's to. that's called the that's called a pointless setup, my friend. That's what that's called. That was the most interesting part of the movie for me because it's like who. Yeah, but apparently, it was supposed to be Keanu Reeves, which mm. that would have been fun. I mean, but it would have been just another cameo. Keanu hasn't been in the you, other Hobbs and Shaw. It's someone they know. I mean, <laughs> Keanu hasn't been in the other movies, as far as I know. So, like, mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. I'm so, coming for you. Now, yeah. excuse me. I've got to keep driving this bus. And I heard people have problems with the cameras, but I thought they were fun. And it oh, makes yeah. sense because I think Ryan Reynolds was awesome. David Leach directed yeah. Deadpool, so yeah. all those people would be in it. Yeah, especially the other. He's like, yeah. thinks he got shot. Yeah. Oh, no, that's someone else's blood. Yeah. And guess what? It's really easy to put a brick through somebody. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, so yeah, it's it's fun and yeah. insane, and but again, like suddenly we're in a world of like superhumans, and yeah. <laughs> like where that comes yeah. from doesn't make any sense. Th- th- this whole franchise started with Paul Walker asking for tuna, no crust. That's that's <laughs> how it fucking began, guys. Yeah, and then yeah, Batman Hush, the latest Batman anime uh, DC animated film. Um, I'm not familiar with Hush as a um, storyline. Com- I think I told Ryan the comic storyline is amazing. It was a 12 mm-hmm. issue year long arc, um, and they introduced like a new villain into the Batman yeah. universe. And what I liked about that was the mystery of Hush. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the they, movie they change it a lot. And if you watch the special features, they are like, "Well, we don't really know how to do justice to that mystery, so we're just going to focus on Batman and Catwoman and their relationship." I'm like, mm-hmm. "That's fine, but like, do it in another titled movie, like." You know, like I just call it Batman Catwoman. Batman Catwoman. Like they did mm-hmm. Batman Harley Quinn. Like just do Batman Catwoman, do a different story. Yeah, I like, mean I, I liked it. I thought it was interesting. I think they took I mean the twist 
on the twist is I think an interesting take on it. Yeah. Um, because I, I mean, there's pretty like shocking stuff in it. You know, the corpse of Thomas Elliot just hanging out and, um, Oh yeah. I mean, and I, um, yeah, I understand what they were doing and I mean, I had fun with it. It's here's the thing is it's the only letdown for me is I still think Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is awesome. And I think it's kind of a letdown from that. Yeah. Um, but, but- it is it's it went from you know the the hush storyline is you know a villain of the month and batman working through this mystery while fighting his greatest villains yeah i mean killer croc doesn't show up in it um, yeah and they uh, if you watch the special features but they switched it to bane because they did killer croc in another one recently mm. like there was a big fight with yeah. killer croc so they didn't want to like do that again and also the weird part is they're shoehorning it into the continuity of the recent movies yeah so like damien's in there which yeah he really in the weird comics. scene yeah um, telling him to use protection when he fucks Catwoman. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's disappointing when, like, I want to see, like, if you can't do the mystery justice, just don't do it. Like, or I don't see yeah. why they have to be, like, not 70 minutes. Like, why can't they just do a three-part hush or something? Yeah. You stretch know, it I, out. I, I understand. Again, I think because hush is so well-known. I mean, I, yeah, they address that too. Like, how do you keep the mystery if people yeah. already know the comic? But again, people are probably watching the animated because they haven't seen the comic. I did like the I, I did like the ending when Catwoman decided to kill Hush, mm-hmm. and um, you know the, they had a shed of falling out with Batman about yeah. where do you draw the line? And I thought it was that really, was in the comics though, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's I think it's really interesting um, that they kept that in there. Yeah, um, but it, also like. It jettisoned like really cool stuff I liked from this, like the whole Jason Todd part. Mm-hmm. Um, like, well, that might great not things... work now because of him being already resurrected. And yeah, I, I, but again, it was. Do you have the first appearance of the Red Hood as Jason Todd? Yeah, I have that whole arc. Yeah, uh, those books are worth a lot of money now. Are they? Sweet. Yeah, I think the first appearance of him I was at a comic store. I variants of him too. Yeah, uh, I was at a comics. I was at uh, Hero Headquarters last weekend. They're selling it for like two hundred dollars. That's sweet. Still, one of my favorite animated ones is Batman Under the Red. Yeah, Blood. that's a good one. That is, sorry, John DiMaggio is the Joker. I was just yeah, the Joker was... in this one was not that good. Who was playing him? It was uh, Batman, right? <laughs> He's uh, playing both roles. Right? Uh, I think so. Maybe I'll, yeah. I'll look at it. But I mean. Joker in the hush line doesn't do much except get framed. So yeah, and that's fine. But you know they had. A, I mean, the fight with Clayface was fun. Yeah, and I think the reveal is cool. Um, but it was cooler in the comics, is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, because like the whole thing with Thomas Elliot, like he screws with Batman so much and like so effectively. Um, yeah, he you know, like he doesn't get to that. Like even in like I think the second scene you see him in after Batman gets injured and he like repairs him, you know he he gives a look to the camera of like I'm clearly the villain. Yeah, whereas like you didn't figure that out until way way down the line in the comics. Have they done Long Halloween yet? No, they should do Long Halloween. They haven't, but I I got a thing where they his name's Jason Spisak. Okay, the Joker. Okay, but yeah, he he hasn't much to do anyway. So yeah, but that's cool. Um, John DiMaggio doesn't have a lot. Yeah, he's great. Seeing if he's the Joker and other things. Anyways, but it's also weird too. It's like I think it's the same guy who adapted the Killing Joke, and he. So he like yeah, he went he did he wrote this into a romance between Batman and Catwoman, and then he added that like really unnecessary uh, hookup between him and Batgirl and into the Killing Joke. It's just like where's their head at? Yeah, he's like just people just want to see the comic animated. Yeah, so, like I said, do long Halloween. 
Yeah. I, well, I mean, I'm worried now. Like, what are they going to change to that one? That's <laughs> another, like, 12-issue yeah. arc that was, is probably the smartest of them all. I will say I did I did watch Batman Ninja finally, and I enjoyed the artwork. I mean... Yeah, it's beautiful. I couldn't really care about the story, but, like, it was fine. I was just there to watch Batman look like, <laughs> look like he was in Japan, so... Yeah. Yeah, the art's great in it. It's just yeah. the story isn't much to... There's much there, so... Yeah. Yeah, it's... I liked it. It's fun. I think Harley Quinn was fun in it. Um, yeah. She's got a little more to do. Yeah. 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 And the Riddler gets... Yeah, and I guess, too, I wanted the Joker to look more like Jim Lee's Joker. Oh, that's the other thing, too, yeah. is, like, the art. Right, like, Catwoman looked like Jim Lee's Catwoman, but the rest of it was... Jim Lee's art is so striking and yeah. iconic. Like, I mean, you can't replicate it in a cartoon. I get that. Right, but, but it's just it's missing. Yeah, maybe take the character designs, though, you know, because he makes the Joker with that really long nose and the really pointed chin. Very yeah. unique. He's a great artist. Zach, what did you watch this week? Um, uh, watched uh, a couple things. Um, after we recorded on Saturday, I rewatched Oh Brother Where Art Thou on Blu-ray. Uh, I hadn't watched it on uh, Blu-ray before. I'd only watched it on a DVD that my dad <laughs> owned for years because that's his favorite movie of all time. Uh, good one. It actually looks really good on the yeah. 4K TV. Um, Wait, Coen Brothers make good-looking films? Uh, they do. What I was worried about though was that the Blu-ray that I got, since it was an older Blu-ray, was not going to look as good. Disney though, they they do a great job. It looks good. I'd like them to do another transfer if possible. Please, Disney. Mm. You seem to be putting out the black hole this week. You can do Oh Brother, Where Art Thou again. Or, oh Brother, Where Art Thou should be a criterion. I agree. Now, if you and I can convince them to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's not criterion. I'm sure it's Disney. I want them to do that and then also get Burn After Reading and Hail Caesar and do the Knucklehead trilogy because that's that's the, the arc that they do with Clooney. Um, so yeah, but the, like I said, that movie's amazing. Um, it's one of the, it's one of my favorite films to watch. Um, I was singing along to the songs again. Uh, I've appreciated Holly Hunter in the movie a lot more this time around. Like she doesn't have a lot to do in the movie, but what she's given to do is fun. She has great banter back and forth with George Clooney in it. And, um, yeah, the, the wonderful movie. Um, I did two fitness or no, I'm sorry, three fitness cinema sessions since, uh, we last, uh, uh, all saw each other. Um, the first one was uh, I got to travel exactly 30 years into the past and do uh, 1989 Batman on the treadmill. Uh, that was lots of fun. Uh, that Prince soundtrack is very good to run to. And when you hear Danny Elfman's march, uh, when you're busting on the treadmill, yeah. you, you can, not going to lie, you can feel like a badass. Um, not me. I feel like an idiot regardless. But Just imagine Zach running on the treadmill. If there weren't people around me the whole time, because that that room was crowded that day, like people in and out staying, I would have done that out loud. Getting thin now. (laughs) Going to lose my fat. (laughs) (laughs) Going to get thin right now. Um, But yeah, um, I was able to get 8.95 bat miles out of it and burn 1,353 bat calories on a bat treadmill. and then uh, continuing that trend, though, the uh, the other fitness cinema session was Batman Forever. Uh, that movie's still goofy as fuck. Uh, a long run. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, two two hours flat. Um, and uh, it, the tr- the neon, like the, the, the Dayglow Schumacher lighting made it very hard to pay attention. Like, at points, I was just looking back at the... Uh, I think Val Kilmer's dash. an awful Batman. He's not good. <laughs> 
He just seems bored. Yeah, it, he doesn't want to be there. That's for sure. Um, I like Jim Carrey as a performer. I this is the first time I really did. I just could care less of him being in the movie. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, God he's bless him. Too. God bless him, though he's trying, but I don't think he wants really? to fucking th- be there. I think he's way overdoing it. Yeah, that, everything in that movie is just garish and overdone. Everybody saw the first two Batman's and said, "Oh, this is how you do this." Well, I mean, Schumacher said in special features on it that he only knows a Batman '66 show, mm-hmm. and I can see how he got. That's definitely the case with Batman and Robin. Yeah, I mean, whatever it exists. It's, yeah. You know, what, right. you know what's fine, though? I was able to get 8.75 bat, mile, bat miles out of it, 1,362 bat calories burned on a bat treadmill. So, uh, But the the last cinema session, fitness cinema session that I did this week was Rocky IV. Uh, and, Ryan, you were asking me last episode, like, you know, like people who want to get started and whatnot, this is a good starter film because it's only 91 minutes. Um, Consequently, that's the shortest Rocky movie, and it shows because there's like about 15 to 20 minutes worth of montage in the movie Hell that I yeah. forgot about. It's great montage. I just forgot how much montage was in it. Um, and I like the character of Polly. I'm going to take a montage. <laughs> montage. <laughs> um, show off things happening out at once. Remind everybody what's going on. Even Rocky had a montage. <laughs> In um, every scene, show a little improvement. <laughs> it's short, I would take too long. That's called a montage. I know that whole song. <laughs> I don't know the whole lyrics, but Even I love it. Rocky had a montage. Make sure you fade out to show my time is past in a montage. Um, but anyway, Rocky Four though. Um, that's a wonderful, uh, insane movie that I still enjoy. Um, that's all right. That Jim, that, that uh, James Brown performance before Creed goes uh, into the ring goes way too long, but yeah, I fucking love it. Uh, Polly's got a robot. Why? I don't know. Uh, Polly whines a lot in this one more than he's ever done before. Why? I don't know, but I don't care. Um, it's fine because I get hearts on fire and that fucking awesome montage where he gets on top of the mountain and yells Drago. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a fun time. Uh, I was, I was able to get a lot of, uh, uh, fun out of that and I got like 6.5 miles out of it. So, you know, can't, can't beat that. Um, uh, let's see. Um, I, uh, I, Picked up News Radio, the complete series, uh, for very, very cheap on Amazon, and I've been rewatching that. Uh, that show fucking rocks. Um, I, Phil Hartman makes me laugh. Like, I consist- need to watch that show like I need a hole in the head. Wow. Do you not like News Radio? Really? <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, I don't like Andy Dick. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, I. <laughs> Phil Hartman's amazing. Andy Dick is. A- yeah, no, he's an asshole. You can say it. Is a butt knocker and it's a shame because he's really good on the show but i'm like nah, i don't care i i know what you are um and i mean honestly though i like i really like dave foley a lot kids yeah, in the hall and all people, that stuff so oh, yeah. he's fun to watch no, people came away from that show like I, steven root and yeah. Joe yeah, steven root's my favorite my, my second favorite part of news radio period the first being phil hartman steven root on news radio is fucking amazing um I ha- I found out he's on Barry recently, and it's making me want to watch Barry because I want to watch Stephen. Yeah, Root no. When week. you watch stuff like that, it just makes you realize how great a performer Phil Hartman is, and oh, at what a senseless tragedy what happened to him. Dude, yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, like, and I haven't gotten to the John Lovett season yet, obviously, but you know, he's fine, and they they end it how they need to end it, but it is a shame. I'm taking so. over. <laughs> 
consequently, though, uh, this week, though, I did go through the entire series of The Critic again. Uh, This is the first time where I was just like, okay, not all the movie parodies are working for me. So at this point, I'm just kind of going in for the stories about Jay Sherman and his life. So Um, the Jurassic Park one still works where the the raptor uh, tells them how they're going to escape down a crude raft down a sail barge and then smokes a pipe. But outside of that. I haven't not, seen the movie in so long. I don't even know. Yeah, a show. Uh, it's it's a fun show. Uh, I recommend. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go back and check it out. Um, and then the last thing I saw was a giant fucking hawk outside on my goddamn fence that was going after a goddamn dead rabbit. Nice. And I took a video of it. I made a short film of it. You can only see it on Instagram and eventually Netflix because they buy fucking anything. Nice. And they'll apparently cancel anything because the OA is gone. So I wasn't watching the OA, but I saw everybody was pissed off about the OA going away. Um, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> but I was Give me the map, Scott. <laughs> um, Something might not know about me, Joe Rogan. I smoke crack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, Joe, and Joe Rogan's fun on news yeah, radio, too. He's yeah, no, he's, he's fun. Um, anyway, yeah, that's all I watched this week. Yeah, I saw Dave Chappelle at Red Ox this week, too. <laughs> he did? That's fucking A, nice. nice. With Jon Stewart? Mm-hmm. Nice. That's awesome. Um, did I talk about I was a Mel Warbride last week? You did not, and I want to know about. Oh, okay, it. I can't remember because my things blend together. No, we were, t- we were. I was a male warbride. No, I. It's my fault. I overwhelmed you with my dumb joke about it, but I really did want to know what you thought of the movie. Oh no, it's awesome. Um, so I uh, things I watched this week. I watched. I was a uh, male warbride, uh, starring Cary Grant, and shocker, right? <laughs> and in it, he plays a French, um, lieutenant mm-hmm. who falls in love with an American, um lieutenant mm-hmm. and they at the end of world war ii there is some program this is a true story and the guy wrote a book called as a male war bride mm-hmm. and he had to get a special passport to get to america to go live with her and the only way he could do it is if he put he was a bride mm-hmm. and it's really funny um because uh he doesn't try uh so he shows up to where all the military wives are and they have to take a boat back to america mm-hmm. and you know, he sits there and they look at him and uh, they're like, Mr. Uh, Miss Rochard, you're not a Miss Rochard. No, don't you see? I'm a war bride. And so he goes through this whole thing with all these women and uh, it's like screwball probably at its best. Uh, he's really funny in it. So um, he's not pulling a Charlie's aunt where he's like wearing a dress or anything. Oh, it's he just... does. Um, OK. So Anne Sheridan is uh, the person he falls in love with. And she's great in it. Anne um, Sheridan. Yeah. Who, uh, He's great in George Washington slept here. Sorry, I just yes. wanted to get that plug in. Um, it's directed by Howard Hawks, so it moves really quickly. Ooh, 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 okay. um, <laughs> and at the end, so the big selling point, I guess, uh, I was reading a thing by Leonard Malton, who is that uh, Cary Grant is in drag in it. Mm-hmm. And he's only in drag for maybe two minutes? Yeah. Five minutes, maybe? Uh, so they make it all the way to the boat, and they get past the guys who are checking him in. They get onto the boat, and the Navy won't let him on the boat because he's not a female. Right. So him and uh, Ann Sheridan go down and they cut a tail off a horse and they put it around him for a wig. <laughs> and and they just, the whole get bit is how he's an ugly woman. Yeah. And he's not even trying to be a female. And uh, he gets on the ship. And when he gets on the ship, uh, a woman goes into labor. And so he has to go help deliver it. <laughs> and they find out that he's not a woman because he takes off his hat. And he, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> 
it's a great movie. It is a really, it's one of uh, my, that and uh, The Hawk and the Eagle that I've watched recently are really great films of his. I love when Howard Hawks does silly comedies or screwball comedies. Like his, he had a he had a gift for it. He, mm-hmm. he did really good action flicks, but he. Oh yeah, well I think with Screwball you need that timing too. Yeah, with, that you have an action film. He had a he had a keen eye on how to you know time that shit yeah. perfectly. And actually, I'm gonna say I, I don't know where you could find a decent looking copy of it. Um, I find I find one. I'll let you know, but um, you might like Charlie's Aunt with Jack Benny then because it's. It's somewhat similar in the respect that he's got to impersonate a woman, but I would say it's a little more doubtfire-ish. Mm. Uh, but I want to see Cary Grant yeah, it's funny wear a horsetail wig. Because Cary Grant doesn't care, and it's kind of a funny yeah. take where he doesn't you know, doesn't become feminine. Yeah, He's still Cary Grant. And, uh, I mean, there's a funny scene where he's really tired, and he... he <laughs> see, these are the things I like in these kind of movies. So he's... They can only get a motorcycle and a sidecar, uh-huh. but the United States military won't let him drive because he doesn't have a motorcycle license. Mm-hmm. So Anne Sheridan has to drive. Yeah. And so he falls asleep in the sidecar and these little German kids like start it and makes it drive away. <laughs> and so he's asleep while it's going through this town. <laughs> it's totally stupid, but it's really funny. Um, I also watched Blonde Venus, which a lot of people say is his breakout role. Yeah, um, it's with Marlena Dietrich. It's with Marlena Dietrich, and she's really great in it. Um mm-hmm. So the film is uh, Marlena Dietrich uh, is married to uh, this guy and they don't have a lot of money and she has he has to go to Europe because he's dying of certain some disease they never really specify mm. and it costs fifteen hundred dollars for him to take a boat over to England or Europe and uh, the only way they can get the money is if she goes back and performs and she used to be a cabaret dancer so she's performing and while she's there she meets uh, dashing millionaire Cary Grant and <laughs> Cary Grant becomes smitten with her. And so he uh, pays for the husband to go. I mean, obviously, for nefarious reasons, mm-hmm. pays the husband to go to Europe to get better. While he's gone, he inserts himself into her and her son's life. And um, she ends up falling for him. Mm-hmm. So the husband comes back completely healed. And she decides that she's going to leave the husband for Cary Grant. Mm-hmm. But when the husband threatens to sue her for... Um, having the affair and taking the son she goes on the run mm-hmm. and so it's basically a travelogue movie of her and her son going from place to place um, while they're being pursued by police and her husband mm-hmm. and she she eventually gets tired of running and he catches up to her in I think it's in New Orleans and the husband and she said he's like here's 1500 bucks because this is all that matters to me I'm taking her son so he leaves her like at the train station takes the kid she becomes destitute for a little bit, and she eventually um, decides she's going to go make it on her own. And so she goes to Paris, becomes this really big star. Cary Grant shows up again mm. and says, you know, you should come back with me, and, you, you know, you owe it to your son to go see him again. Mm. And so she does, and there's this really great scene with them, and she ends up going to marry Cary Grant. And um, so it's just her seeing her – it ends with her telling the story they told at the beginning – of how they fell in love, mm-hmm. and now the son wants to hear it again when they're not in love, and it's pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really great film. Um, I, I don't like it as much as as Mel Warbride, but I mean, it's it's different, a, different, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's really heady subject matter for 1932, mm-hmm. and there's also nudity in it um, that I wasn't expecting. Like, there's a bunch of women swimming in the pond at the beginning naked. 
Um, but Dietrich, uh, uh, I just imagine the Hayes Code people just going, oh. like, oh, "Hey, wait, wait, that guy passed What? Well, I, <laughs> I read that that film. film had a lot of problems, mm-hmm. and um, von Strasberg. It, I, 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 okay. So full disclosure, I haven't seen this movie mm-hmm. before, but you're telling me von Strasberg? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Because it's that that box set. Yeah. yeah, he was. He has a very. He's a first director I've seen in that early a film mm-hmm. that has a very distinct style. Yeah. Um, I mean, besides um, the Leo McCarries, I mean, McCary was good at setting up stuff. Howard Hawks is a great director, but he has, he purposely puts things in front of the camera and then he also um, like makes things blurry behind. It's really unique. He has an ethereal quality to him. Yeah. And, it, and he puts a lot of stuff in the foreground. Exactly. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's very interesting. So it's a good movie. Um I also watched a documentary called Scary Stories, which is about the scary story books. I did, too. So I, I lied. I did see it. Um, and I liked it for the most part. Um, I liked it when they were talking about the books being banned mm-hmm. and what the books went through. And I also thought it was really interesting how he had a the writer, Alvin Schwartz, had a, a fractured relationship with his son. Mm-hmm. And his son was grappling with the legacy his dad had from these silly books. Yeah. Um, but I, I had a when I what I lost interest in it is when they had actors telling you the stories from scary stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 But it, I, it didn't bother me as much, but I I could have done without it. Yeah. If they cut that part out, because it's still like ninety minutes, they could have cut out that five minutes. Yeah, you could have gotten rid of that. They also repeat news clips a lot, like yeah. within the span of two minutes. Yeah, it's really bizarre to reemphasize. It's that same news clip about the the book banning. I think the movie's worth it to watch that conf- yeah. confrontation, quote unquote, between the woman who was trying to ban the books at the specific district and Alvin Schwartz's son. Yeah, and because you know, I got the DVD because it's I think six bucks at Walmart, and it has forty minutes of other interviews, and the first ten minutes are Alvin Schwartz's wife, and she's really interesting. And I'm like, why do they? See, I would have put those in and got rid of the the. The girl telling the kids the stories because even like the little animated things they have, I thought were really well done. Yeah, um, and really interesting. Um, I think there's a focus issue with the movie in terms yeah. of it. Just it, I can tell it's not someone who's made a documentary before. Yeah, I mean, like, I never want to give anybody like not enough credit for like attempting to compile a bunch of information and throw it at the screen at you, but like there is a little bit of a muddleness to it. Um, it's not. It, you you should still watch it. No, it's I, think it's, I think it's very fascinating. Yeah, it's just that it's. I wish there was a little more of a spit and polish to it. Yeah. Um. I will say uh, that it provide because I did not grow up severely with the scary stories books. I knew what they were. I had read them. We'll talk about it in the film, but there's ones that I remember that we watched in the film later. But the ones that I remember the most are like you know the red dot and stuff like that. Um hearing others speak about them and their passion for it made watching our film this week uh, uh, a much more interesting experience than it would have been if I had not watched mm-hmm. the documentary. Yep. Uh, so this week we went and saw Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Brad, did you have a chance to see Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? I did not. So I'm going to make up my review. Cool. Should people go see it? Oh, sure. Definitely. Why not? I mean, it's just two hours of your time and 12 bucks probably. So why not? You know? Heck yeah. Zach, should people go see scary stories to tell in the dark? Brad, it's 108 minutes, please. <laughs> so irresponsible. Uh, yeah, um, I would. Um, 
We'll talk about it in the review, but um, it's not perfect. But I really had fun with it. I enjoyed it. And it's one of those uh, just like fun, breezy flicks that I would definitely put on in the background when I want to do something. And uh, I think the performances are fantastic um, from the lead kids uh, and the visual effects and the makeup and practical stuff is astounding. So I would definitely check it out. I'd also like to add that I thought the stories were really scary and they're great (laughs) to tell in the dark. (laughs) Perfect review. Um, as my club, where's my club (laughs) as a huge fan of these books? Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, Ryan, should people go see the movie? Weird. I never hear you talk about them. No. (laughs) Um, I, I, I adore these books when I was a kid. Um, I, I never believed in censorship and neither did my parents. I used to be able to read, watch whatever I wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I was watching the documentary and they're talking about how grotesque the pictures are i always looked at them as they told the story very well yeah and yeah they're creepy um but you know anyways the movie um yeah i really like this movie um it's a pg-13 horror film but it pushes limits yeah big time yeah uh the red spot mm, that was pretty gruesome yeah um but yeah it's yeah yeah go see it i mean it's it's a horror film and it's a clever way to do an anthology Mm -hmm. um and yeah, you uh, the practical effects in it are pretty amazing. Yeah, um, there's one the jangly, jangly man was okay uh, when he was morphing and stuff, but when he was on screen and he wasn't um, being CG'd mm-hmm. was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, here's a trailer for scary stories that tell in the dark. Some people believe if we repeat stories often enough, they become real. They make us who we are. That can be scary. Eat it, Harold. Do you want to see Haunted House? Some kids went missing, so they boarded it up. Okay, we saw it. Can we go now? Who ordered the chicken? It's a book of scary stories. Tell me a story. Hey, what's going on? Tommy's missing. Tommy's name was in the book. There's no way it's actually connected, right? Okay, what if what happens in the book is exactly what's happened for real? Oh my god. Stella! Listen, you're in the next story. We're reading it right here. It's a corpse looking for her missing toe. I'm afraid that we woke something up. You shouldn't have taken the book. We've got to stop it. Sarah Bellows' book, when the stories write themselves and it all comes alive. The Jingling Man is coming. 
I didn't grow up in an environment where my folks told me I couldn't read the books, so I had no idea that there was a censorship thing behind this. Mm-hmm. But this film, I was around for it. I'm refresh my memory on what the controversy is because I didn't uh, read them, but I was aware of them. So it's, the it's pictures made... are pretty macabre, and um, the stories. The, the stories. I mean, they deal with cannibalism. They the Harold story in the uh, in the movie is pretty toned down. Yeah, in the book, so, so Harold is a. A scarecrow that looks like somebody in town and these kids used to throw rocks at it mm-hmm. in the book he's one night he's on top of a barn skinning someone alive yeah um they changed it a little bit in the store in the movie and these were like these were directed at kids yeah or kids just found them it's alvin schwartz took folk tales that already existed and repurposed them retold them but was intelligent enough, and I did not know this when I read the books as a kid, so I should have looked at the back of the fucking book. Mm-hmm. He put the sources of where these folk tales come from. Yep. And part of what scared parents uh, unreasonably was that because these drawings were so unique and detailed and beautiful, they saw them as trash that their children shouldn't be Dangerous. reading. Dangerous. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're dealing with zombies, blood, guts. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, but so, he also wrote the, all the cool things. <laughs> so in the three books, there's always one. So they're basically broken down in sections, mm. and there's always one section where these are scary but funny scary. Mm. So this they they blended two stories, yeah, uh, with uh, the big toe and another monster. Mm-hmm. And in it, this kid is like digging in the garden, finds a toe, cuts it off, and his mom puts it in a soup, and they eat it. And then later that night, there's a ghost that's or a zombie that goes, "Where's my toe?" Um, in this film, they do that, but they combine another story uh, monster from it, and it's—I mean, it's really it, it, the zombie in this with the lady with the hollow face is fucking amazing, mm-hmm. um, and it's—it's it's shot really well uh, because the guy who did it to Troll Hunter and the Autopsy of Jane Doe, yeah, so uh, he's Andre Overdahl. He's a very accomplished filmmaker, um, but in the story, this girl finds a book written by a, a young woman who was Sarah Bellows, who was uh, put in the seller by her um, family and the, the legend around her is she would tell stories through the wall. And after the kids heard the stories, they would die. Mm-hmm. So she finds it. And um, as they're sitting there, the stories write themselves. And so it's a setup for each. It's an anthology without being an anthology where there's set pieces. Yeah. Um, so like the, the toe one was, aw- I think that like the monster for the toe was amazing. Yeah. Um, and it was creepy. Mm. Um, you know, even the Pell lady was really creepy. Like, yeah. um, yeah, it's just, and the kids are fun in it. Yep. Uh, and, and the kids die in it. So there is like a real sense of dread. Yeah. And uh, I mean, even, so they changed the story with, with Harold, mm-hmm. um, where oh. <laughs> the, the, the jock asshole kid yeah. stabs Harold with a pitchfork. Uh, and then Harold takes it out of him and stabs the kid with it. Yeah, that was the moment that my eyes perked up in the theater. And I was like, oh, this is PG-13? Okay. And the kid slowly turns into a scarecrow himself and he starts vomiting like uh, straw. And this will tell you how effective this is as a horror film. So we've talked about this in the past where a good horror film will make you see something that you didn't see, mm-hmm. actually see. Like with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's always the blood or Psycho, it's the stab in the shower. I swore I thought for like, 10 seconds that I saw blood coming out of that kid when he yeah. stabbed in the pitchfork and I was like no that can't be because it's not it's, allowed it's shot in a way yeah where it looks like it's blood and yep. then they pull in tight and you see him like pulling straw out yeah and it's 
It's so great. And the, it's the, by a guy who knows how to shoot. And horror. the Harold puppet. Yeah, it was awesome. Oh, God, I loved it. Um, I only have one complaint about the film, really, to be honest. And I want to watch it again because I may feel differently if I see it a second time. But I wasn't a huge fan of the... Um, I think that the allegory to the time, the, this time it's set was a little too on the nose. Yeah. But... I appreciated things that they did within that to make it fun. Like I liked the Romero homage. I thought the Romero homage was very wonderful and sweet. Um, The, uh, but yeah, the, 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 the illusions and the metaphors within it for, you know, it's heavy handed. It's heavy handed. I know why they did it. I don't disagree with it. I just wish it was toned down a little bit and a little more subtle, Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit more easy to read, but it doesn't like detract me from wanting to go see it again. Oh, it's yeah, it's no, not even it's... close to a detractor. And I appreciate that they found a different angle in which to do it. Cause otherwise if you did it in the eighties, it would just be it. Mm-hmm. But if you did do it in the eighties, you could find a way as long as you're going hog wild to sew in a, uh, 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 a B story or something about banning scary books, which yeah. would have been interesting. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just really, it's really well done, yeah. and and they they gave the source material a lot of. Um, There's a lot of care behind this. care, because um, you know, like I mentioned with the red spot. So the red spot, I mean, it's the story everyone's heard. This girl gets bit by a spider. She mm-hmm. thinks she has a spider bite, and it turns out it's just a bunch of baby spiders. She loses it, and it is oh, it's so, unnerving. I mean, in in the movie, her whole cheek explodes, mm-hmm. um, and they give you like little glimpses of it. Like, yeah, you never see it full on, but you can see. That she's messed up pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and, um, oh, I think the scene that scared me the most is, so, at a certain point, um, the young lady and uh, gets put into the book because she's got to go find Sarah Bellows and confront her. Um, and it, but when she's brought into the book, she's made up to look like Sarah Bellows herself to the Sarah Bellows family. Mm-hmm. And the Bellows capture her and throw her into Sarah Bellows room in the dungeon. And she is like terrified beyond all belief she's, yeah, she's because the door's going to get logged. She, I, she's really well, good. I really like, cause it was clever in so much that, um, they actually tackled like the Flint, Flint water thing where yeah. the, the, the Bellows family was poisoning the water uh-huh. and it was killing the children. Right. And they made up a story that, so it, it grew into a folk tale of Sarah was the one who was doing it. So they purposely killed her yeah. for wanting to reveal the secrets. So in a sense, this movie is very much a wonderful tribute to Alvin Schwartz's work as an author, oh, yeah. which not just the stories he created, but his actual dedication to his work. Yeah. Um, and also, any chance a movie has to put in wax cylinders, I'm all down for that because <laughs> yeah. nobody does it anymore. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah, I think she go see it. It's it's scary. It's fun. Yeah. Um, do a sequel setup, and at first yeah. I walked out, I was like, "How dare they do a sequel setup?" I'm like, "Oh wait, no, there are two more volumes of those books. No, please give me more. Yeah, I'm totally fine. It'd be interesting. I mean, Dean Norris yeah. plays a good dad. Yeah, Dean Norris is a good dad. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, and um. Uh, I just want to tell Guillermo del Toro that I thought the monsters were wonderful. <laughs> and I think you do the monsters really well. And I love uh, you, Guillermo del you're Toro. You're Mexican. That's racist. Well, <laughs> he, he he loves the monsters. <laughs> he does. And I do love Guillermo del Toro a lot. 
he's a he's a fun filmmaker. Yeah, he is. I actually also found it interesting that the writers of the Reese, the the latter Saw movies were originally uh, or, or listed as among the writers for the original story. So yeah. that's pretty interesting. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, next week, Zach will be in New Hampshire. Yes, I will be out um, finally taking finally. care of some stuff, and then I'll come back in a week. So. Uh, Brad and I will be seeing Good Boys. Should be, Should fun. be fun. Now you boys be good. Meh. God, can you leave sooner? <laughs> I love the new trailer <laughs> where uh, <laughs> where the little black boy says, oh, I guess this is before African-Americans were in movies. I'm from Canada. <laughs> when they're talking to Seth Rogen. Uh, they're talking about how Superbad hasn't aged well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we saw Superbad. You saw that movie? <laughs> yeah, and Sausage Party. You saw that movie too? What'd you think? Me yeah, is okay. <laughs> Where's um, the black people in your film? I guess you made this before black people were in movies. <laughs> I'm from Canada. <laughs> it's good um, but yeah, you guys see Good Boys next yeah. week, and then I don't even know what the following week is. Um, something. We'll figure it out. Thanks for listening. The movie. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.